Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago. Hi, Johnny. Hello, everybody. And back from episode seven, we have James Giordano from LA County in California. Hello, James. Hey, hey guys. How you doing? Uh, we're all good. Hey. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking to James about artificial light for our photography. Uh, but before that, here's some here's Johnny with some feedback from last week. Yeah, uh, feedback from episode 20, uh, where we took some questions and talked about, I guess, kind of a whole variety of, uh, of issues last time around. Um, so we had a few questions. Uh, few questions and a few bits of feedback came through. Um, our very own James here had a conversation with Hamish about uh, reissued uh, lenses, in particular the Meyer lenses, and kind of, uh, yeah, I guess, cost to performance to uh, value kind of discussion that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, uh, first name of the day to slaughter here, we got uh, Rakesh Nar. Oh, my God, I hope that's even close to correct. Um uh, he had a question actually for me about uh, scale focusing and using uh, basically presetting distance scales for um, for lenses when when photographing. And Hamish was kind enough to answer that for me um, with his excellent, his really truly excellent article that he wrote for Ilford um, with diagrams showing how to use uh, distance and depth of field scales on lens barrels to do scale focusing. I, I saw this question. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to go take some pictures of lens barrels, blah, blah, blah. And Hamish did all of that for me uh, or did all of that for all of us previously. So um, that link is in the feedback from last episode. But I think maybe we'll we'll pop that into uh, this episode's. Uh, links because it's really excellent and it it explains it really really well and I think once you wrap your head around um, the fundamentals of that it's something that you'll you, you know you'll know forever so great job there from Hamish and then um, Geza had a little bit of feedback on something we're going to talk about even more today I'm sure with James which is post uh, post processing or post production um, and he spoke about it specifically from. Uh, the standpoint of his personal background in uh, printing offset lithography and uh, sort of photo retouching and photo mechanical manipulation, um, which I have a bit of background in as well, uh, where, you, you know, the, the whole photo touching for the uh, retouching for the print process, offset printing process. So um, long, interesting uh, kind of feedback and details there from, from Geza. <laughs> So check that out. Um, and Nelson, uh, Nelson Mullen said, great podcast. Looking forward to James's flash talk next week. So here we are with flash talk. Actually, there's just one thing there. If just going back to um, the discussion about the, the, the Meyer optic and the, the, the reissued yep. one, um, uh, James, James went in very hard <laughs> with, <laughs> with, with, with that um, and uh, you know, about uh, the, the value for money side of things. And uh, I thought it was quite amusing when Hamish uh, directly – uh, countered that very, very, just as strongly as James put his point in there. Mm -hmm. And I, w I started typing about three times um, a, a sort of mi middle way uh, discussion between the two points. And I, and I kept on typing. I thought, 
no, that's covered, but Hamish has covered that. And no, 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 actually, no, Hamish has covered that bit. And I just couldn't respond to it. I just thought it was quite quite amusing that nobody else responded to two very, very strong statements, because normally you know, two strong statements usually leads to a, a whole uh, discussion. But no, it was um, bang, bang, James was there, bang, Hamish was there, and then nobody went anywhere near it. <laughs> it was yeah, funny. it was like watching a really good dog fight. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was over too soon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that's that. Uh, I think that wraps up um, episode twenty feedback. And why don't we get into some questions for uh, that came through this week for episode twenty one? Um, I guess I could. Do you want me to kick that off, Simon? Or yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, all right. Uh, so let's take uh, question number one, or a kind of conversation starter number one from. Uh, Mr. John Jay, um, who said he had a suggestion for us to talk about. Um, why don't I list these and then we'll kind of go through them. First suggestion was uh, future podcast, maybe explain the definition of classic lenses. Um, and he, he his thought was that perhaps uh, that could include discontinued lenses, manual or autofocus discontinued lenses. So we'll, maybe we can touch on that. Um, and he he had a little bit of conversation about uh, some some old older manual I'm sorry older autofocus lenses that that he is has been adapting um, and he also had a little bit of uh, uh, he had some thoughts on Leica R lenses as being um, quote unquote sleeper lenses which we can talk about I I, I mean I, I guess I could jump <laughs> jump right into that I don't think they're sleepers at all they're expensive as hell um, yeah. Yeah, I mean they're they're cheaper than M lenses, I guess, but not uh, not really. I mean, our lenses are they're they're pretty pricey, especially I I feel like uh, you, nobody really wanted to shoot shoot them on Leica R film bodies, but now that you know the adapting thing is everywhere, I, I it seems like Leica R lenses are going through the roof right now, so. I think I think the term sleeper is perhaps not so much um, on the prices of them, but perhaps it's certainly in in our group in photography with classic lenses, the Facebook group. We yeah. don't really see that many uh, images from Leica R uh, lenses, but then again, that that still probably applies to the the more expensive lenses anyway. Um, I yeah. think the 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 core. Uh, of our group tend to uh, shoot with the uh, lenses at the budget end, um, yeah. and because ultimately there are just so many of the things, so um, they're just. I think people are quite happy to try lots and lots of the cheaper ones before moving on to things that are a little bit more expensive, which is certainly exactly how I started. Yeah, Johnny, you know it's interesting that you say that prices are going through the roof. So on the weekend, I happened to be looking at an ad from Leica for the M10, and on and in their advertisement, they make a big deal about how you can use all of the R lenses with that camera, yeah. and they even make a special external viewfinder that you can pop into the hot shoe because yeah. um, the R lens is so big that it blocks the viewfinder, and so maybe it's it's Leica people that are buying those lenses, and that's driving the price up. Uh, I, I, maybe I honestly I, I if I'm going to blame anybody, I'm going to blame the Sony users because <laughs> because the because, no, I mean, be, and the reason I say that is because the their their full frame cameras and that user group is growing exponentially right now. I mean, the number of full frame Sony cameras 
floating around out there is is rapidly growing and I don't know. I mean, I see a lot more people walk into Sony cameras into the shop with adapted lenses on them than Sony lenses or yeah. Carl's Zeiss or whoever bullshit label they're putting on them that, you know, um, to say that there's ice lenses. But I, 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 I think that's really what's driving it is they're, you know, they're, they're great lenses for that platform. Um, they're SLR lenses, you know, and they, I think they, they, they work great on Sony's. So I, to me, that's, that's where that's that's who's, who's responsible more even so than the the Leica M users because it that EVF I mean the the M10 will do live view so but to do any sort of like basically uh, live focusing in a viewfinder you need that EVF on there whether it's for R lenses or anything else um, they do make their own dedicated R adapter of course uh, so. You know that that might be driving it, but I I don't know. I I tend to think the Leica folks are going to use M lenses more so than R lenses because of the the size factor. I think that Leica R lenses uh, ultimately in the in the big scheme of things, it's 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 still there are relatively few of them out there, uh, which yeah. is largely going to be down to cost. Certainly, if I look across the the sales uh, of adapters of by by mount. Uh, I sell Leica R uh, to Nex, and I also do. Well, I've just started doing the Fuji FX adapter as well. And um, Leica R adapters are one of the slowest selling, if yeah. not the slowest selling adapter that that I, that I have. And it's, I think it's just the sheer numbers out there are just relatively small. Um, so great, great lenses, but you know, expensive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in, so, I, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna. I guess I was gonna say. I mean, from a price to performance standpoint, I uh, I I don't know that they're okay. They're really really well built. There's no doubt the optics are fantastic. But I I just wonder if it's like a, also just a diminishing returns thing. At some point, how much? Unless you're just shooting the pixel peep, I don't know how much more you're gonna get from them than you are necessarily from other glass. So. Mm. Just, and they're uh, big. <laughs> yeah. Just just on uh, uh, Jay's letter or, or John's letter. I'm not sure if it is, it's Jay John, but I don't actually know if that's gone which which way around that is. Uh, but he, he he mentioned that I might like the uh, Zeiss Planar 85 1.4, um, as he has noted that I'm a big fan of the uh, the 51.4. And the answer is yes, I really really would like one. Um, and I've come very close to buying one on a, on a couple of occasions, but they've just just gone ever so slightly too far. One day I'll get one, but I'm I'm not much of an 85 millimeter user, so I'm I'm not worried too much that I don't actually have one of those yet. Um, but just going back to um, the points about um, what lenses we talk about. Um, it's it's pretty much down to how the Facebook group uh, began and how we how we run that. And, and it is predominantly a manual focus uh, group. I mean, there is a, a Facebook group out there called Manual Focus Lenses and, and, and we're all members of it. But it's, it's a little bit different. And um, when Carl set up um, photography with classic lenses with Derek Steed um, and a few of us joined quite quite early. It was it was as much about finding out lenses for ourselves and uh, sharing each other's experience of experiences of new lenses. And we all none of us had an interest in autofocus lenses, and we just decided that that was pretty much how the group was going to go. Um, there, there is something to be said about some of the old 
uh, autofocus lenses, but from a running from an administration point of view in running the group, it was just easier uh, to just say, "Listen, we're just not going to do anything anything at all to do with autofocus lenses, and we'll just stick with the manual focus lenses." And then the next question will be, "Well, actually, what makes a classic in terms of age?" Uh, and that became very, very difficult to work out because you've got some lenses that are, are still in production now and they've been in production for a very long time. So you could buy a brand new classic lens and there's no difference between one you could buy today and the one that was 30 or 40 years old. Um, so things like that were going to lead us down the direction of actually having to come up with a list and prescribe uh, what lenses were going to be allowed to talk about and which ones we weren't going to be allowed to talk about. And we realised that that was just going to be a bit of a nightmare. So we, we just went with, we just don't do autofocus, although we sneak in through the back door the Contax G lenses uh, for the Contax G uh, cameras. But other than that, we, we just don't do AF and we don't really want to do AF because none of us are real fans of AF lenses. Yeah. Okay. I, I can add, I can add something to that. I'll add something to that. Um, yeah. So that I mean that's the idea that the lenses that were featuring on the page were designed um, primarily as old lenses to go on film cameras that didn't have autofocus. But lately there are some 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 lenses being um, showcased on the page that are modern modern autofocus lenses, Samyang and Rokinon, and even some of the newer Chinese brands. But um, not autofocus. I'll tell you a funny story, though. When I um, got my Olympus EM1, which is the first mirrorless camera that I had, um, I found a box up in our attic, and it had Pam's father's old cameras and lenses and things. And the first lens that I adapted to a mirrorless camera was a Minolta Maxim 50 f1.7 lens, <laughs> and it was a really good lens. Um, one of the best black and white shots that I think I've ever taken at a concert was with that lens. And, and it originally was designed to be an autofocus lens. Then I realized online that for some reason, those things were more expensive than uh, like a, a Rokor 58 1.4, which I really wanted. And I think I sold that lens to someone for $110. This was like five years ago. And it was a really annoying lens to use because the focus ring was this little skinny plastic thing on the front. It was terrible. Um, but I um, I found a couple others at low price and, and, and resold them. But um, yeah, so I that's a bizarre thing that we, we don't uh, we don't generally feature those on the page. But that was my first adapted lens because I found it in a box for free. It's funny. I've got a I've picked up a Minolta AF. 500 millimeter f8 mirror lens um only this morning and <laughs> i just uh, i want to talk about it and, and and show pictures on our page but i'm, I'm i realize i can't do that um so uh, i'll have to stick with one of the other groups that i'm i'm part of but it there is a frustration and i know that uh, pair edmund um suffers from this uh, where he you know we're talking about lenses now that are over 30 years old and uh and you don't necessarily have to use them with an autofocus uh, smart adapter, um, but yeah, I can I can see why Pear wants to show pictures with old with, with these old AF lenses, but no, we we we're just not going to do that. Um, but as far as the the podcast is concerned, we've got a little bit more latitude, so we probably will um, touch upon those from time to time. But ultimately, our our main focus is going to be manual focus. Right. 
Uh, do you want to go on to question number two? We had uh, James Thorpe who sent us some questions as well. Sound good? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so James had a couple questions. Um, uh, well, I guess it's a, a set of questions that go together. So he said, I have a, a noob question about barrel lenses. He says he shoots with a four by five uh, crown graphic and would like to experiment with some older barrel lenses on it. Um, uh, that's kind of the first part, but since these lenses don't have built-in shutters, uh, what do I do about shutters? And he, he, he did mention the Packard type shutters for, uh, for a crown graphic. Um, uh, I mean, I guess I had talked to that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Packard shutter company is alive and well, <laughs> and actually, uh, Mike Ekman, our, uh, guest from, you know, several episodes back, uh, who is, you know, the prolific writer on all things photographic. Um, he actually has an interview that he did earlier this year with uh, John Gilchrist, who is the current owner of the Packard Ideal Shutter Company. So you can absolutely buy a, uh, a, a Packard shutter still, uh, which uh, it, I guess maybe should I back up and do definitions real quick, but a, a barrel lens is essentially a lens without a shutter. It's just uh, an optical element with no shutter uh, to open and close to, you know, limit the light coming through. Um, so uh, the, the idea is if you're going to use a lens like that on a camera, obviously you need to, um, to uh, open and close a shutter so that, you know, you're, you, you have an exposure time to be able to make an exposure. So a, a Packard shutter is essentially, um, a secondary shutter or a, a standalone shutter that, that, um, is attached either in front or behind really, you know, for the, let's talk about it in, in, in this example behind a barrel lens. Um, and the idea is that that, that separate standalone shutter, uh, allows you to use a lens that does not have a shutter in it. So that's what a Packard shutter does. Um, and as far as, you know, barrel lenses, um, he, he also mentioned that, uh, that he sees them in auctions. He's not sure if they're going to cover, you know, four by five, if the image circle is correct. Actually, I've, I've, I've messed around quite a bit with barrel lenses and older, uh, large and larger lenses. And, um, I, I just do it a bit of Googling. You can generally find some older publications that will have information about those lenses. I know that I have a number of older, um, large format Bausch and Lomb lenses, and I did a lot of kind of Googling and it's amazing. You'll find these old, uh, catalogs from say 1910 that will have everything you ever wanted to know about every Bausch and Lomb lens that was made at that era and exactly what format it will cover, um, etc. So it just doing some digging online, I think you'll find a lot of information about, uh, what, what format barrel lenses were made for and what they will cover. Um, I mean, it's certainly a little bit subjective because, you know, light, light fall off on a given format. Is it more acceptable maybe to some, uh, eyes than to others? Um, but generally the older lenses, you know, if you, if you can find a lens and it's got a description around the barrel somewhere, you can generally find information about what format that lens will cover. So, um, I guess a lot of really good Google research will, will turn up most of the answers about barrel lenses. Johnny, just, just for, um, some of our listeners, uh, one thing that, uh, you didn't, didn't really cover there, um, which, which yeah. some people might not, uh, realize when you were talking about lenses here without shutters, well, 
most of the lenses that the people that listen to this will will be using lenses without a shutter so it's 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 more about what kind of camera that these are designed to go on because they're not going to go on to not designed to go onto cameras with a, a focal plane shutter that that most most people that are listening are going to be familiar with uh, we're talking about putting these onto a onto a box camera of some description isn't, isn't it with, right with exactly where that film Right. We're talking about lenses that don't, we're talking about cameras that do not have shutters in them for the most part. So the, the idea is you need to essentially add not only the lens, but also a shutter uh, because many large format lenses have a shutter built into them. So the lens itself has a, has a shutter mechanism, you know, uh, as part of the assembly. So we're talking about lenses without shutters, but also cameras without shutters. So yeah, good clarification, Simon. Okay, well, thanks for that, Johnny. Now, this week, um, as we've already said, we've got James Giordano with us. Have I, have I said your name right there, James? Well, not really. Um, <laughs> it's Giordano. Giordano. You got to kind of, that G-I-O-R, you kind of just like, you know, Jor. Giordano. Okay. Yeah, not G-O. How are you saying it? Giordano. Yeah, just, I have no idea now. The G-I-O-R is almost like it's uh, one syllable. He's English. they got to pronounce all the letters. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. do. I know. Well, now, we, now, know. We, now we've got that sorted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still none the wiser. I'll have to listen back. Um, uh, James, um, you, were, you were with us uh, all the way back on episode seven where we, we – sat back and had a bit of a life history of your uh, life life and times of, of, of photography like that was over like that was like four months ago it was ages ago um yeah. and uh, and that was a really it was a good listen as well we changed changed our, fo- our podcast format as a result of that and became a, a little bit more conversational as, as a result of that episode so thank you for right. that um but one the question that i'm not sure that we we asked and that was how you actually got into using old lenses in the first place. Perhaps you can right. talk, talk to us about that and then bring it around to uh, artificial light. Well, um, I, I, I've been a, a shooter you know, for a long time and um, earned my living uh, shooting models and things. Uh, uh, and, and then, you know, I sort of became... Uh, what I what I like to th- what what I call like semi-retired or mostly retired, and so my the things I wanted to shoot uh, because I wasn't shooting for pay um, uh, were very different than what I'd been shooting for for pay for uh, a long time, and I, I hate to use the word art, but the things I wanted to shoot were more in the domain of art i suppose um and uh uh so I, I a friend and i um she she went out with me and we we we, we came up with some themes because the stuff i want to shoot is very thematic and uh you know with with some wardrobe or costuming and some props and some some interesting locations and things um and and uh, the thing immediately that I was extremely unhappy about was uh, what the images look like, and because I was using modern lenses, uh, so uh, you know, and the, the the images to me looked very I don't know sterile, I guess is a word I could use, um, and, and I was very unhappy with that. So 
uh, I, I, first thing I did is I went out and bought the, a couple of these like cheap uh, Holga and Diano lenses, you know, that are made of plastic and, uh, you know, with, with mounts on them to my, to my, to my Canon uh, EF camera. And I, I didn't like those either. They were like a little too, you know, rough, I guess, and not just around the edges. Um, so I wasn't happy with that. And then, and then, uh, when I was, uh, surfing Facebook, if you will, or maybe Facebook, you know, recommended the group and, and I said, Oh, this is interesting. You know, classic lenses, uh, you know, I shot with those because I'm old. And so, uh, uh, I started, you know, I joined the group and I started looking at all the different, uh, lenses, uh, people were shooting with. And I thought, Oh, and, and, and especially looking at the, 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 the image quality and the, the, the character of the lenses. And, you know, I was looking for things, uh, lenses where, uh, the way the lens renders, even if it's very subtle, uh, the way the lens renders, you know, sort of resonated with me. Um, it was like, you know, I have a whole bunch of ideas for, for the things I want to shoot. And, and, and a lot of them are, are in the more in the still life domain. Um, uh, but again, they, with telling a story, I'm a very story driven, uh, person. And, and so, uh, I started looking at these lenses and, and then uh, I started uh, a lot of money ago. I started buying them. Um, and when I first bought them and, and still to some extent, uh, uh, you know, I, I bought them and just, you know, like test shot with them a little bit. Do I like this? Do I not like this now that I'm, I'm using it and, and sort of making mental notes of which little personal projects I, I have that I might use you know, lens A or lens B for because of what it does and what like uh, sort of effects in production I can do where lens A or lens B would, 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 would be a cool lens uh, uh, sort of, I mean, I have a filmmaking background too. So I was sort of applying a cinematographer's kind of a um, uh, thought process um, to the whole thing. Um, uh, you know, a lot of cinematographers these days use classic lenses on, 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 you know, cameras like red and, and, and some other cameras. Um, uh, so, and they're looking for a specific kind of look. Um, and, and so I was doing the same thing, but I, I want to apply it to still photography. So, um, that's what got me into, uh, it was, you know, I, in my career, my career, um, I, I've worked in a very competitive environment. You know, I shoot pretty women, oftentimes with very little clothing, if any. And trust me, there's 8 million guys that want my job. And, uh, you know, I, I, I needed to find ways to be competitive, to find ways to make my work, like, stand apart. Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean it's better than somebody else's work, but it does stand apart. A little bit. I mean, I, I try to within the confines of clients' expectations for the images, and and, and so uh, when I uh, sort of semi-retired, I, I, I had the same mindset. Well, if I'm going to do stuff that's, you know, for me, and and it's kind of going to be like a little bit artsy, if you will, um, uh, I, I 
and I, I see a lot of other people shooting that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, well, how do I make my work stand apart other than basic creativity and imagination and, and, and things like that. Um, there's, there's more I can do, I think, to, to make my work stand apart a little bit, even if it's not like super obvious, um, you know, it might be subtle. So uh, I, I, I kind of took the same point of view in, in my head, like, okay, I need to be competitive, even if I'm just being competitive with, for not a particularly, not, certainly not a work reason, and 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 to do that, I need to set myself apart. And to do that, uh, it's going to rely on me, my 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 creativity. But it's also going to rely on some other things. Um, and and lenses fit right into that. Um, and, and so that's kind of how. Uh, about I don't know how many thousands of dollars ago, uh, <laughs> I got into classic lenses. Well, so that's a really interesting story, James, to hear. Is, it, um, is there a lens that you've purchased that's your favorite of the classics? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, like many people, I, I, I like the Helios 44 lenses. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's funny because they're, you know, some of the cheapest classic lenses, you know, most inexpensive that that you can purchase but i i, I like to i like lenses i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a bokeh guy and i like bokeh balls and i like swirly bokeh i mean i'm not saying i don't like you know soft creamy bokeh um but i've got modern lenses that take care of that so uh, if that's what i want um but uh as far as uh the classic lenses i really lean towards lenses that are are are, are going to deliver you know um the kind of bokeh that, that i like and and a lot of times that's swirly bokeh so um mo most of my all not every one of them but i would say 90 percent of my classic lenses are either meyer optic or uh they're russian russian soviet um because th those two types of or brand and type of lenses are are the ones that uh, seem to deliver the kind of bokeh that I, I want uh, uh, because I'm going to, in some of the images I intend to shoot, personal project stuff, I am going to uh, uh, take advantage of some lighting gags. Um, and so those light, you know, using, uh, uh, you know, I guess, what do they call them? Uh, fairy lights or what, you know, the string of little LEDs, you yep. know, that you can buy to put in your backyard. You've seen those, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. And and so I, I bought a bunch of strings of those. And I'm going to use those in the back. I have portable power to take with me wherever I want to go. So um, these aren't going to be necessarily uh, interior shots, uh, studio-like shots. Um, they're they're going to be shot at locations in the desert and so forth. And But since I have portable power, um, I can go out there and I can I can you know, hook these things up easily. And some of them are battery operated. They have their own, you know, battery operation. And, you know, I just put some light stands out there and string them. Nobody's going to see the wires um, in the exposure. They're just going to see, you know, the light. And then if I'm using the right lens, that light's either going to look like it's, you know, the stars are swirling or the whole sky is filled with bokeh balls or thing. Because a lot of the images I want to shoot are science fiction themed because i'm a science fiction geek so um 
that's what I want. What I want to do. So. So you last week actually um, did your did a mod with the mirror one, and so for a while things go in, in cycles on our, on the page yeah. and on the Facebook page. There was a period of time where every other photo was some kind of a mod people would right. say, and, and they were talking about Helios and, and mirror lenses, right. changing the elements around, taking the front and reversing. It was the first thing. And then there was this thing that people called Middle, a mid mod. The, the mid -mod and, yeah. and you took the element out and just shot without right. it. Is it. Okay. <laughs> right. So that's, well, you know, uh, I, uh, I tried those things out. The the mod, it, it, some you know, it, it, what I for 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 what I want to do, I decided that it makes uh, the images a little too wacky, um, and and without a lot of control, user control on it. So you know, I mean, you have a control in terms of what you shoot and and. And, you know, the lighting conditions and the environments, you know, like those reverse Helios 44-2 with the, with the front element reversed. And, you know, there's a flower and then it looks like a fucking, uh, ooh, I almost F-bombed. Uh, <laughs> and then it looks like this really otherworldly tunnel going back into infinity. And, and you know, those are cool to look at, but but they don't really fit. What what I wanted. I mean, if I was going to do that for like what I want to do, I would have to have some kind of time tunnel theme going or, or something, um, and and then make it look like there was a time tunnel um, there with uh, I don't know James maybe this Pokeball time tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. I get a little bit uh, upset when people are some people like really have an aversion to, to, to boca balls and swirl and, and all that. And, you know, I, I, I'm like, what, what is your problem, dude? Um, yeah. but I like it. I like it a lot. And I've, I've bought more than a few lenses that are like known for producing that. I mean, I wanted to get a, a pets for a long time, um, because of the swirl. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to spend the money on one like, like Simon has. Um, and, uh, so then lens baby came out with that, that twist 60, uh, which, which, you know, mimics the pets fell, you know, like not a hundred percent, but you know, kind of close and, uh, tried it out and went, Oh yeah, this thing, uh, this thing really gives me some crazy swirl uh and 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 very retro looking swirl um and it wasn't very expensive it was like 160 bucks so you know that's in my kit um i i've shot with it probably twice since i bought it but uh, you know it's it's tagged for a couple of things i want to do in the future um so it's it's waiting it's waiting for its time James, last week uh, you you posted a shot, uh, a studio shot, and I think it was a uh, a local, uh, I think a lead singer of a punk band, uh, yeah, female right. singer, and you you took that shot right. using a tilt shift, and which is worth talking about in itself. And and right. sec secondly, I I asked the question, uh, what lighting did you use for it? And, right, uh, you and to, uh, which you the setup you then pretty much described as simple, um, right? And uh, it'll be perhaps you might want to just talk about that simple uh, light setup and also uh, how you took that shot with the tilt shift and why. Well, um, 
I don't know which to talk. As far as using the tilt, the tilt uh, adapter, I mean, I love doing stuff like that because, again, that falls into the whole category of how do I set my photography apart? Okay, it isn't like there's eight million people out there shooting with tilts, with tilt adapters um, on on the on classic lenses. Um, in fact, one of the lenses I, I I recently purchased from Johnny, in fact. Um, uh, a Meyer Optic Triaplan uh, 1028, and it, but it's a, an exact amount, and there doesn't seem to be anybody that makes um, a, an exacta to next uh, tilt adapter. I, I've looked everywhere; I don't see one anywhere. I don't even think Kippon, which probably produces more tilt and tilt shift adapters than anybody else, um, even though they're a bit pricey. I don't think they make one either. So, you yeah. know, I would love to be able to tilt my my, my triaplan, but uh, apparently it's not going to happen. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've, I've tilted lenses before, and, and I just, I, I like to look, and, and I, I tilted, for the picture of her, I was tilting it rather extreme in the in the vertical axis, or, um, and, and, I wouldn't necessarily always do that. Uh, the, the tilt adapter goes from no tilt to eight degrees of tilt, and you can rotate it and, you know, and put the axis of the blur in any direction you want. And um, uh, the eight degrees is a little extreme, and I wouldn't do that um, normally, but I really wanted to see uh, what it would look like in a, in a uh, sort of a, a portrait kind of a... a uh, situation and, and I like the results. I mean, I thought they were really cool. And, you know, if I want to shoot something and really, which I did with, with, with her, um, where I really zoom, you know, like, I don't want to use the word zoom, but, uh, where I really want to bring emphasis to the eyes, um, the tilt adapter was a great tool, um, to do that with, because the only thing in, fo in, in, in really sharp, clear focus in that image are her eyes. So I, I kind of like that, you know, I didn't shoot the whole set with her. Um, uh, you know, we, we did a couple of changes and things like that, but uh, I didn't shoot the whole, everything with, with the tilt and I didn't shoot everything with um, uh, classic lenses. And in this, in, in the case with um, the, the punk rock singer was, uh, I used two different Russian lenses. I used my Kalinar hundred two eight. And I used my Helios MC44-3. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the stuff I shot with the Helios in a studio with a white seamless. It's almost pointless. I could have put any 50 millimeter, you know, 50, 58 millimeter lens on there. Um, the Kalinar, I, I, I was pretty happy with how it handled. These are all, most of my lenses are M42. Um, and uh, uh, so, and but I also shot, you know, sort of like, like a, a little safety net, if you will. I also shot with my my Canon full frame with a seventy to two hundred um, L lens on it and everything, you know. So I, I knew that if if I wasn't happy with what I was doing with the, the manual focus lenses, um, I could I could, you know, fall back on the stuff I shot. Um, with, with, with a modern lens with autofocus and 
everything else. So, um, so, so tell tell us about the the, the setup that you use there. Um, okay, I mean, and, that, and, that and is, also, I, I know you guys were like, "Oh yeah, that's easy." Yeah, but you know, it's it's that three point lighting, triangular lighting, whatever you. Want. I mean, that goes way back, hundred years or more. Hollywood. I mean, a lot of the early movies uh, when they shot interiors uh, in, in silent films, um, you know, they used a three-point lighting setup. They'd have a main, a fill, and a backlight. Um, and, and Hollywood hasn't changed in terms of that is the the go-to lighting setup for many, many scenes. Um, uh, so, uh, and it's the same in portrait photography. Uh, that's that's now what a lot of people do, um, and, and I've done it many times as well. Is you know the traditional three-point lighting, which is a main light, usually set for you know about four, somewhere around forty-five degrees um, to the subject, with the uh, with 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 the uh, photographer being in. Uh, 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 sort of to the left or right of it. And then if, let's say, the photographer is to just to the left of that main light, then you set a fill light, the other side of the photographer, and the fill light does exactly what the word fill sounds like it does. It it fills in shadows and, 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 and you know, gives you a little more, you know, you can adjust it and gives you a little more, uh, latitude in terms of the, the 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 shadow side of the face, um, and then just add a backlight for hair, and to to give some separation. So that that fill light would that therefore be less less power uh, than the main light? Yes, yes, it yeah. would be. Yes, and and again, um, you know, when everybody was shooting film, you know, that was all. You know, people were thinking ratios and 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 stuff like that um, because they couldn't see the results instantly. So they had a they had a count on uh, uh, understanding. You know, like let's say, uh, so my main light is going to be this, and you know, I want to shoot main to fill. I want to shoot you know two to one, let's say, and so my fill light should be half as powerful or half the output of my main light. Um, my, my, my backlight doesn't need to be that way because, you know, the way reflecting works, um, in, in physics, um, you, you don't really, you would need less power to, to really see those highlights and things like that. But, you know, I've, I've made a big chunk of my living shooting glamour and tease. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to create with the lighting, you're trying to create a little bit more of a, a fantasy look. So what a lot of glamour photographers do, most of them, in fact, it, it, when they're shooting three point lighting, um, is they're going to move. They're not going to use a fill light. They're going to just use a main light in front of the, uh, of the model. And the main light's probably going to be, a, you know, modified with a pretty large modifier. Because in 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 lighting, um, the, the the closer the light source to, to the subject, the softer, if you will, the lighting becomes. So if 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 I if I put a, a, a an umbrella, let's say, and it's a three foot diameter umbrella in, in front of the model, that's not going to create very soft light on her skin. And because it's kind of a fantasy look, you know, we want that skin to be. So, and I don't like 
like doing a whole bunch of skin processing and post. I mean, for my career, I don't do any post. Um, I just hand in the images and they have, they have people who do that, but my clients do, but, uh, 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 so for me to, to soften the light, soften the skin on the model, I want a large light source. I want to keep it fairly close. Uh, to the model, not so close that I'm, you know, like interface, but, you know, fairly good, you know, like around five, six feet in front of her and, and, and maybe uh, a modifier that is like a five foot diameter umbrella or shoot through or beauty dish or whatever it is. Um, and, and, and then the lights in the back, put those on either side to create highlights around her body, you know, because that's edge lighting or rim lighting. Um, so, so the model is, you know, up there, uh, modeling in a way to, to, to appear very sexy and sensuous and everything. And now you put this nice light all the way around. So she's like glowing and she becomes, uh, she becomes, uh, am I allowed to say wet dream? Um, she becomes <laughs> like that. <laughs> um uh in the image so that's why that sort of reverse three-point lighting is is used in a lot of glamour you know everybody from me to the guys who shoot playboy centerfolds although playboy uses more than three lights when they shoot but uh, uh use that basically that style of lighting um, to 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 create more of a, a feel of fantasy in, in the images. Now you've you've touched upon you use the word modify uh, modifier. Yeah. Um, it'd be, okay, it'd, well that's where you take a light, yeah, like a speed light or a monoblock or or uh, a, a constant light, even like a tungsten light or you know or uh, 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 LED lights or whatever you're using. And you're, you know, you want to kind of, you want to modify that light. Usually people want to make it less specular and, and make it, you know, softer, even when they're shooting regular portraits. So they put a modifier, which would be an umbrella or, you know, a beauty dish or, you know, something like that. Uh, even a, a big scrim in front of it. Um, that's like a, a, a screen, a diffusion screen um, um, to, 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 to create a light that is, you know, that is bigger, that is larger. The source is larger. So uh, the bigger the source and the source doesn't always have to be physically itself big you know like if if okay if if you have a model standing there and then you have a light with a five foot umbrella on it in front of her and it's six feet away okay that's a pretty good size light source she's three feet away it's an even bigger light source relative to the model and and the light and therefore the light will become even softer that makes sense. It, it, I've got to say, it makes absolutely no sense to me at all. I think your, your, um, your description, your description makes a huge amount of sense. It's it's just that to my mind, if you're putting the light source closer to the subject, it, it's going to right. the, the the light is going to be harsher. That's how no, my the mind works. Yeah, unless it's a very small light. Period. I mean, you know, like if you're just using a speed light, which has a very small you know face on it lens mm. where the light emits from um 
you know, that, that light, it's not going to make much difference whether you're five feet away, 10 feet away, three feet away. The light is so small to begin with. Yeah. Um, but when you start modifying these lights and making them bigger by virtue of the modifier, because the mod, the, the light is now, it's now bouncing around inside that umbrella or whatever you're using. And it itself is reflecting back to the uh yeah back it, to the model it's the same it's the same you don't create more light it's the same amount of light that comes out right. of it, but it's been spread over a larger area exactly. isn't it? so that, exactly. that's, that's it yeah okay i get and that the now. larger the area you spread it across either with the modifier or uh with the position of the light relative to you know the subject um that will make it a larger source as well and consequently the larger the source the less shadows it creates yeah that makes sense yeah it, it, it does and i'm i'm beginning to think now this is this is turning into uh, lighting for dummies in other words me <laughs> <laughs> um because i've i've, I've got some uh, uh, you know because this could be relatively quick fire um but you've you've talked about certain types of light there and we right. didn't with yeah that particular three-point lighting shot uh, interesting right. to know if one they were the same type of light source and you just varied the power or whether you use different kinds of uh, lights and, and and obviously modifiers well, for, the, for it right the the power isn't going to have that huge of an impact because because uh uh it's you're going to expose for that power hmm. so if 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 the light is not putting out as much power you're going to uh expose the image uh either with a, a wider aperture or a slower shutter speed or a higher ISO, you know, things like that to make up for the lack of power. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And I, I do actually do some um, flash photography, but it's just for my eBay stuff. I'm taking pictures of lenses and things like that. And I, it's all right. manual and I use two, two flashes. One's, one's got a, a soft box or whatever it's called. And the other's an umbrella right. and it's, yeah, you know, and, and I, I change the exposure by changing the ISO. Uh, right, sure. Uh, and that's um, just how it works. And but it, sure. it's but when you when you're doing more or less the same kind of thing time and time again, then you don't right. have to think about it. But if you go into the field or you've got a model and doing different things, then you you've got to you've got to be a lot sharper as to uh, you know how you use your light. Now back onto the terminology. Now uh, we've talked about you've mentioned speed lights, monoblock, strobe. Right. Um, okay. speed, speed light is something that I think we all know about what, what a speed light is. It's a, it's just right. a kind of flash that goes on top of your camera or it can be off the camera on a stand or something like that. But I think what, Nikon um, coined the, the word speed yeah. light originally. And then Canon followed up and they dropped the G and the H. Hmm. So a Canon speed light is called a speed light, but it's S-P-E-E-D-L-I-T-E. Yeah. Whereas the Nikon speed lights are L I G H T. Yeah. Um, I think we, so we, to some degree, we sort of point of trivia. Yeah. Well, we 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 had that in last week, funnily enough. Uh, but uh, but what's tell tell us more about monoblock and strobe? I mean, okay, a monoblock, um, and a lot of people refer to them as uh, studio strobes. Okay, a monoblock um, is basically a a a a strobe. A strobe meaning it will just emit a very brief, you know, flash of light. 
Okay. And with a monoblock, the only, you know, the only thing you can control is the power output of the monoblock. Speed lights, you know, have, especially today, they have all these other, you know, functions and stuff where the speed light communicates with the camera. All right. A monoblock does not communicate with the camera at all. Okay. Uh, some of the newer sort of hybrids, I think Godox and a few other people make them where they're, they're, they're like monoblocks. Um, but, but they do communicate with the camera to some extent. Um, I don't have any of those, um, but monoblocks traditionally are all shot manually. So you, you set up the monoblocks and you use a light meter. Um, because your your meter on your camera is not going to do you any good because the camera is going to try to uh, expose uh, before the light flashes. Um, speed lights have what's called a pre-flash. So when you're shooting with a speed light that's communicating with your camera, then there's a little pre-flash that it sends out. In other words, a flash before the flash that's going to capture the image and it reads that you know for like when you're shooting an aperture priority it reads that as the as the aperture value i mean as the, as the shutter speed value in aperture um and and then it you know uh, uh sets the camera to automatically do that um with with monoblocks there's no automatic but monoblocks tend to be a lot more powerful than than speed lights uh, they're they're a larger source in in and of themselves and they generally put out a more powerful uh a, a light um th than a speed light will so that's kind of the difference monoblocks are you know a lot larger um uh, uh than speed lights are speed lights you know are like they're small flash instruments um you know vivitar um, years ago, I mean, they 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 had a whole line of of, of small flash instrument speed lights. Um, I still have some. I have I use them. Um, I have a, a I think I have a couple of Vivitar two eighty threes and a two eighty five, and they're manual. Um, they don't talk to the camera, and uh, uh, I, I use them as little fill lights or little highlight lights and stuff. Um, they don't put out an incredible amount of light, but, you know, they can be used effectively um, uh, with or without a modifier or, or anything to, to control them. And, you know, when, when you talk about lighting, control is a different thing than modifying. Control is where you, 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 you control the spread of the light or where the light might spill um, when, when, when the flash goes off. So you might do that with like a, what's called like a, some black flags, uh, a flag meaning it contains the light after it comes out of the, the lighting instrument um, and things like that. So um, sometimes controlling the light is, is important. You only want the light, like you decide where the light's going to fall on your subject. And that's the only place you want that light to fall. So you can use things like snoots on, on the front of the light, which is like a long conical shaped thing that, that has uh, uh, that only allows the light to uh, escape, you know, uh, out of a small hole, like that's, you know, inches in front of the light source or, or, or some, somebody's calling me and I don't yeah, really yeah. care. Somebody's uh, calling you with a question. I, 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 no, I should have, I should have put my, uh, my phone on stun. Uh, instead of leaving it, uh, <laughs> <Sounds> um, <crazy. laughs> 
I'm getting a lot of phone calls in the last few days because because of the uh, California primary election that's happening tomorrow. So everybody wants my vote. Um, so I'm getting a lot of calls from from different organizations, and so can we count on your vote for so and so? And depending can on we yourself. can we um back, can we back up just a little bit sure. and, and let me ask you a, a real fundamental question because a lot okay. of the listeners, the listeners, are um, probably shooting almost all of the time with a classic right. lens and natural light, and they're, and they're not using a flash at all. And, and some of them have never maybe thought about it, but now we're talking about flashes. Okay, so right. that and that's that's me. Until very recently, I got a Godox uh, flash. Right. I put it on the camera. Um, I borrowed someone's um, um, Zeiss Sony autofocus lens, put it on here, set the camera on auto, and shot some images inside, and they were they were fine. Um, but what what if I wanted to take a, a Jupiter Nine and put it onto my camera? So it's not communicating with the camera anymore. And, and, right. I, and then I, all of a sudden, I've got all these variables. Um, do I shoot in aperture priority? How do I tilt the flash? I mean, do I have to just mess around for a long time to get it right? Because well, you can shoot. I, I mean, if, if the if the uh, the strobe, if yeah. you want to call it that, the flash, the speed light, um, is communicating with the camera, right? Then certainly you can shoot in aperture priority. In which case, the camera is going to decide the shutter speed. Um, okay. Yeah, and and but you you have to remember that when you're shooting with flash, uh, like portraits and things, shutter speed is not a big deal. It's not all that important because the flash itself, the duration of the flash, sort of becomes the shutter. Does that make sense? Okay. If you have a shutter of two hundredth of a second but you're exposing for what the flash is going to give you. And the flash is going to, the duration of the flash is, I don't know, a thousandth of a second. You're shooting at a thousandth of a second for exposure. Now your shutter speed only becomes important in that situation, and which is why I shoot manually, because of how much ambient light you might want to let in. Um, in other words, if you shoot with a flash and you expose Aperture-wise, you expose for the subject. Okay, this flash is going to go off with this intensity. I've, me I've, you know, metered it, whatever, or I've dialed it in by, you know, taking some test shots and looking at histograms and things. Uh, if 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 you if you if you if you go with a longer shutter, it's called dragging the shutter. By the way, when you do this, if if you drag the shutter, it's going to the shutter is going to remain open even though the flash happened only for, um, you know, a, a short period during the time the shutter is open. But since the shutter is still open, it's going to allow more ambient light to reach the sensor, and therefore, you know, instead of your uh, 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 your subject. In, in the extreme cases, your subject, uh, everything around your subject would be very dark because you haven't let much ambient light in, especially if you're shooting outside um, in daylight. And 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 conversely, with a slower shutter, uh, you're you're going to let more light in. That's the ambient light, the available light, um, than the shutter is providing. So, um, as a result, your your subject is going to be, you know perfectly exposed if you if you metered properly um, or dialed it in properly and then you get to control the ambient light through shutter speed um, so 
and that's why I shoot manual because I want to be able to control both. Um, uh, I want to be able to control exposure, you know, via aperture with, with the flash. And I want to be able to control the ambient light. And oftentimes I want to balance the two. And so I have to, uh, I have to uh, meter the ambient light, if you will, and 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 then meter the flash, and and come up with a with a uh, w with a good combination of flash and shutter and, and ISO too. Um, so um, does that make sense? Yeah, and there was a good post that someone put up last week about dragging the shutter. Yeah, and I and I copied it to some friends, and um, the example was a woman standing, and the skyline of New York City was across the river behind right. her. And they and they reduced the shutter speed down in steps, and you could see more and more of the the city. Oh, the skyline, the yeah, 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 sure, yeah. yeah. That's I mean that's that's a very common technique when when you're in flash photography, um, is uh, and you don't even really oftentimes you're not even going to need to drag the shutter too slowly um, to you know like just not not a lot of change to the shutter is going to either increase the amount of ambient light that's going to reach the sensor or decrease it depending on what you want in the results i mean it's, it's all like you get to you know you get to choose this stuff um, creatively um and 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 then uh have it look the way you want it to look and and with digital is nice because you get to see the results right away and know if you did it right so and so if, so, uh, if the um, meter is communicating with the camera and then sending out a pre-flash flash, and then it's um, setting a shutter speed accordingly, uh, changing the When you're pause, in an auto mode, yeah. In auto, auto mode, okay. And so then changing Not full the, auto, auto maybe, but, you know, like a semi-auto. Auto, right, yeah. like, yeah, aperture priority or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So then changing the power on the flash, that's going to be compensated for in that process, um, right? Or is it right. going to have a... Yeah. Right. I mean, you get to... Well, no, because if 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 you're shooting an aperture priority, uh -huh. and your your flash is communicating with your camera, then and you set the aperture, and I want to shoot this at five six. Okay. The, the camera then is going to do whatever it needs to do to make a good exposure. Right. At five six, you know, that's a lens thing. So. Uh, if you then decide, oh, I'm not going to shoot aperture priority. I'm going to shoot manual. Well, now you're making all the decisions, and and I always prefer to make all those decisions, uh, not to put them in the hands of some, you know, Japanese engineer, and 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 consequently, uh, I'll start playing with the shutter to to get what I want from the ambient light to either make the subject you know, stand out pop, you know, I know, I know you, you like to use the term 3d pop. Um, but, but to make the, uh, the subject pop from the background, um, separate the subject from the background. Um, so the background would be a little less exposed than the subject with the flash and, or I might want to balance the two out because I really want to connect the subject with the environment in the image. So if I want to connect the subject with the environment, um, the shooting environment, then I'm going to want to balance um, the flash and the ambient um, much closer together. Well, that makes well, sense? It, it does. And I, and I think that brings us on to um, a, a big 
part of uh, shooting this, uh, shooting with um, artificial light, and that's actually how you actually get your exposure right. right. So, and I, and I'm I'm thinking now about if you could explain how to do that in a perhaps a, a more of a real world situation, if, if right. you like. You're you're not in a you you don't have a, a bank of lighting with you. You you're right. out and about, and perhaps you're going to do something, say, fill in flash or something like that. Right. And we're talking about. Um, somebody with a with a, a classic lens and a speed light, and they're going right. to take a fill in flash shot. So, how how right. would they best go about doing something like that? Well, if 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 you're going to do that and, and use a, a small flash instrument as a fill flash, um, because you don't like you know the shadows on you know on 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 your su- subject subject, and you want to fill it in a little bit, um, then I would I personally I would shoot. Uh, manually with 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 the uh, with the flash, and I would set it to some power. I mean, all these flashes have, you know, they say okay, it's quarter power, half power, three, you know, whatever. But the the actual power output of of the flashes are different. All flashes don't put the same amount of light out. So uh, if somebody on uh, says okay, I shot this with my uh, uh speed light at half power i read that and that means nothing to me mm. um because i don't know what the power of your speed you know half power on one speed light might be three quarter power on another speed light yeah if you don't know the guide number you're yeah <laughs> well like- that's yeah <laughs> but i'm trying to yeah we're talking about the simplest way to do it yeah exactly so it, it, it's it, it's sometimes it's just a matter of um, you know, uh, sort of you know, bracketing some shots, uh, and br- and what I mean by bracketing, not in the traditional sense with the camera, where you're you're bracketing for exposure because you know, like you're caught up in that HDR bull. But if 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 you're kind of bracketing the strobe, the the, the speed light, the flash, um, to to get what you want because you get to look at it on the back of your camera like immediately, and you get to apply a histogram to it. And if you learn how to read histograms, you're good to go. Well, actually, well now you now you just said that. What what should we be looking for uh, in a histogram for a, a good fill-in flash shot? Well, I mean, what's going to happen with with a, with a, a histogram may not always show you like that you filled in the shadows the way you want to, but then you have the actual picture on the back of your uh, on your LED screen on the back of your camera. So you're going to see uh, whether, you, you know, between the amount of light that you've used with the flash to fill and the position of the flash, um, you're, because you could put a flash in positions to create more shadow, or you can put it in a position to create less shadow. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of position and power. So you get to look at it. As far as the histogram goes, that's all about, overall exposure um and and you know for the most part if if you know what a histogram looks like and you know that it it you want that that mountain that that hill um close to the center of the histogram um because that means you have the same amount of uh uh exposure on the on the dark side as you do on the on the light side um and and if you change those settings, you'll see in the history of them, you'll see that that hill, you know, move around. Sometimes it becomes a gully, 
um, because all you've got is, you know, extreme highlights and extreme shadow in the image. So, you know, the history, I'm not saying the histogram is everything, but, you know, it's a, it's a nice way to, 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 to look at the image and, and, and it's measuring overall exposure in the shot. It's not, you know, like some little, I don't know. Um, it's not a whole bunch of every little place in the picture is being measured. Um, it, it can, but it can be very, very helpful. I mean, I always, when I, when I, when I, I do my setups, when I start out, I always take a look at the, especially if I'm out shooting uh, on a location or, you know, an exterior somewhere, I'm always going to look at my histogram, at least at first and, and, and see that it looks, you know, about where it looks like, because if you don't get it the way you want it, uh, when you're shooting, then you got to do that in post. And I'm a get it right in the camera kind of guy. Whenever I can poss possibly uh, get it right in the camera, which I, I kind of pride myself that I get it right in the camera um, most of the time, yeah. so, which is important, yeah. especially for a guy that spent 20, 25 years um, shooting for clients where I don't get to even uh, do anything in post to the images. I literally burn a DVD um, and just hand the DVD over, um, at the shoot, at the end of the shoot, you know, I might go, you know, once through on my camera and call some images for, you know, where the model blinked or, you know, their misfires or whatever, but that's it. You know, they get to do everything. So since I'm not doing any post whatsoever, it's, it's in my interest, uh, cause I want to get rehired, um, to get it right in the camera. And to turn over and make the job easier for the people that do the post-production work, because those people can make you or break you because they have the client's ear long after you shot the images. And if they're in there complaining to the client, uh, Jimmy can't, you know, expose, you can't get things in focus, you can't, you know, whatever, um, you know, which really translates to I made his half hour job take two hours to do right um that isn't going to be a very happy person because um a lot of times those people are are not paid by the hour they're they're paid by the job and and if they have to put more time into the job um they're almost like piecework kind of people that, that they're not too happy about it so they can you know like a lot of my clients have art departments um and you know I, i've shot a whole bunch for hustler you know, Larry Flint's um, company. And Larry Flint has a huge art department, like 37 people last time I, someone told me how many people are in the art department. Because Larry Flint um, publishes a lot of magazines besides Hustler Magazine. So those people are working on all kinds of stuff, um, and, and they're good. And, you know, I, I don't want those people, if, if – you know, some images I shot get turned into them to do whatever they're going to do with them. Uh, I don't want those people like bad mouthing me because then I might not get hired again. I um, guess. I mean, that's, uh, that's how I've looked at it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering if you've got any um, tips now for, for our, our, our listeners. I mean, that Sunday, somebody, somebody once told me never, never use the, uh, a speed light on the top of your camera get it away from yeah get it off the camera i mean it just it's 
you know, like, uh, it's, 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 it's very obvious usually that the speed light is on top of the camera and, um, and, and it looks amateurish usually. Um, and you know, you definitely want to try your best to get the speed light off the camera, off camera flash is what they call it. And you can, and you can shoot off camera flash with a, with a cable. Um, from the flash, you know, like let's say you're using a Canon speed light and a Canon camera, you can use a, ca a cable that's going to cable from the speed light back to the hot shoe of the camera. And it's almost going to be like it's on the camera in terms of the camera and the stroke and the, and the speed light communicating. Or you can use, you know, like wireless uh, triggers and things that 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 also, you know, can do the same thing. Um, they, they're just doing it wirelessly. Um, so I get it off the camera. I mean, if you want to get like nice, uh, uh, images where you, where they're flash assisted, um, you definitely want to get that flat. Now, if you, if you have to shoot with it on, on the, uh, uh, on the camera, like let's say, you know, shooting a wedding, uh, not that I shoot weddings. Um, but if you're shooting a wedding or any kind of an event and you're walking around the crowd, I mean, you don't want that flash pointed directly in the face of people. It's going to look hideous. So that's where they, you, you know, what is that guy? Gary Fong has all those little things that go on the front of the flash. Gary Fong. Is that his, is that his name? They, it's like putting, I don't know. Yeah. Like, He's got all those, those different types of modifiers. Yeah. They're, they're like, yeah. they're like a waste of money. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can, but he's made a fortune with them. Yeah. No, he has. Yeah. People and he's made, that. and in my opinion, okay. And I don't want to insult anybody. Um, least of all Gary Fong, but, uh, or maybe I do want to insult Gary Fong and least of all people who use his gear. Um, <laughs> it's like he, he, he sells to the ignorant. Okay, because <laughs> people who don't know anything about light and flash and stuff look at those things and go, oh, yeah, that'll soften it. Oh, yeah, that'll take care of that. Oh, yeah, it won't be the flash will now be nice and soft. And, you know, I mean, no, it's not. It doesn't do. I mean, you're better off like bouncing the light off a ceiling or a wall if you're on the camera. Or I think, Carl, didn't you use a, like a three by five card? Did I did I read that you, you used a three by five card? Well, that flash, yeah, that flash that I have just has a plastic pull-up white card out of the out of the. Okay, back. well, you could actually use a three. You could take a three by five, you know, card that you probably have in your office with a rubber uh, band. You got one of those two of those cards, and yeah. and and put it on the back of the flash with a rubber band, uh -huh. right? And and just kind of angle, and then just kind of like don't fold it, but you know, push it in so that it's the light's going to come up, hit that card, and reflect, bounce off of it. And then it's going to, I mean, that's what is a three by a single three by five card and a rubber band cost I mean, a penny at most. That's a lot less money than twenty nine ninety five for Gary Fong's. No, Gary stuff's Gary like, like Gary stuff's like forty nine ninety five. Oh, is it? Yeah, we sell it at the shop <laughs> and tons of people buy and use it. Yeah. And I'm not saying it doesn't do anything at all to 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 modify the light. I mean, it, it does. One of the things it does is reduces the power of of, of the light. Yeah, it's because now you have this piece of trans 
translucent material. Yeah, you know, you're that, you're basically paying for convenience of it being. You're paying for convenience, and you're knocking yeah. down the, the the output of your of your right. Yeah, of, exactly. of your uh, strobe. Now, now, you know, I mean, your your, your strobe is going to be a little less powerful if you're bouncing it off a three by five card. But, and I've never tested it to know if what I'm about to say is true, but I'm I'm guessing you you get more output bouncing it off a white card than using Gary's, you know little milk jug that you put on it or you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, i'm really looking forward to next week's uh episode where we have gary where you have gary fong on yeah. and and ken rockwell will be on next week's episode. ken rockwell with gary <laughs> yeah. fong that would be yeah. a great show i think it would be a great show it would be an awesome show yeah um, so simon but, simon are you, you gonna, you guys are you gonna ever do a live show with 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 Collins, <laughs> that would be the most awesome show to have Gary Fong and Kendra. I would be on the phone so quickly, right? Uh, <laughs> it, it would be unbelievable. Um, and and those guys would, they'd be like, "I'm never coming back on this show again." <laughs> so Simon's going to have to edit away about three quarters of the episode this time yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or give it a title like um well, not make it uh, we don't trashing, want to make it. trashing the uh, i've already i've already the got the quote it's uh <laughs> photography kit for the ignorant they're not necessarily they're ignorant people yeah um um but they're they're ignorant about yeah. lighting if you, and and other things, photography. You know, if you ever go to a, uh, I, I used to go. I, this guy used to produce these shows like three or four times a year, and and it was all about. At every table were these models, glamour models, right? Beautiful girls, um, some Playboy centerfolds, and everything else. And uh, uh, you know, he he charged people to come in, and and there's you know the girls are trying to sell pictures of themselves and and book themselves for some work you know and and everybody brought their and you know i would say 70 percent of of the guys who attended were, were engineers um you know intelligent people and like i would look at their gear and all i could do is walk around going wow i wish i had gear like that because they had stuff that was so much better than my stuff um and and yet I looked at their pictures <laughs> and I'm like, you know, which gets back to that one guy who says the best camera is the one you've got with you. Um, it kind of, I don't a hundred percent agree with that because I've had cameras with me that thoroughly suck. Yeah. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but I mean, I get the intent of what he's saying, you know, you don't need all this really super high end gear. Like, uh, take Canon for instance. Okay, I bought uh, when the Canon came out with the 5D Classic. I bought one almost instantly because I could suddenly afford a full frame digital. The only other Canon full frame digital before that was the 1D, and those were expensive. All right, so now the 5D comes out for less than half the price of a 1D. All right, and if you look at the 1D has some like cool things about it, like things people don't even think about half the time, like the seals on it and the chassis. It's it's much tougher 
Okay, like, you know, like I, my very first digital camera was a 10D, but they used almost the identical chassis and seals as the 1D, which was their highest end camera at the time. I never had to clean the sensor on that camera ever, once, ever. All right. And, and then I got the 5D, crappiest seals I've ever, I cleaned, I had to clean the sensor almost after every shoot. Okay. Because apparently there was these huge, you know, microscopic holes in the seals that let every dust bunny in the planet in. Uh, that's the technical term for what you see on your Sony lately, Carl, that little, I know. Hey guys, I, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to go. I, I, Are you going I, to I, Washington today? Is that no, I'm not going to say, but I've got meetings this afternoon that I have to go to. So Simon, on a Sunday, Simon, um, on a Sunday, Sunday. What the? <laughs> oh, it's today's Monday. We still. It's, 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 Sunday. Sunday. it's only Sunday in LA. I don't, I don't know what day it is. Well, time. I, I actually, I actually <laughs> think we've we've come to a, a good point to. I was going to think because I, I have a couple of shout outs and I wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, and I was just getting ready to start ranting. Yeah. No. Well, the, James, we're going to have to get I'll you come back. Back in like seven or eight episodes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And you I'll were. rant. I'll go. I'll rant from the get go. <laughs> We'll, we'll ask again. How did you get into classic lenses? Yeah. And you could tell the same story. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, uh, so ask about uh, lighting accessories. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. So very long so, stuff. All right. So, 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 Carl, you've you've got to disappear. Um, we're going to keep on rolling. And uh, okay. so, if you want to do some shouts, and if you whenever you're ready to run out of the room, but I think you should have gone about twenty minutes ago. So, I know. Uh, I know. So uh, please go ahead. So it's right. So I just want to do one <laughs> shout out. I just want to do one shout out um, to someone who's one of the most active members on our page who posts really cool photos. Um, who's a guy who who showed me how to modify weird lenses, and that's Phil. Images by Phil, and everyone has to know Phil um, yeah. by the crazy things he does. And and the reason I thought of him today is that he actually modified an X-ray lens last week. So yeah, I saw that. Camera, <laughs> and that's about the most bizarre one that he's done. And the guy's really talented, and, and, uh, and many of the photos are very unique and cool. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out. And and then, um, you know. Phil, by what, the way, can I say this? Uh, Phil, uh, we found out, or I found yeah. out, a little sub uh, thread in, in, in one of my posts is a punk rock guy. That's cool. And That's I cool. thought, wow, that explains so many things about Phil. And then, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to shout out to some of our, um, our non-human um, um, <laughs> members, the um, Jurgen's uh, parrot, which we haven't seen for a while, and that's the <laughs> official mascot of the page. And I thought Simon's dog Flynn was going to become the dog mascot, but there's a guy named T.J. Borman that posted a picture of a dog the other day. That, I don't know. It's going to be a, a, a close second, I think, uh, in regard to that one. But but anyway, yeah, Jurgen. Jurgen. People have seen his great focus shots that he posts all the time and uh, that's it for me well do you want to just uh, let people know how they can follow you on social media and then you can, yeah. you're free to go yeah sure so mainly on our facebook page the photography with classic lenses page i also do have um, an instagram account i've not been putting too much on there lately but it's carl havens all lowercase with an underscore in between and i have a Flickr page that's carl havens is my name with capital k and h that's it signing out that's great thank you carl all right bye bye carl see you carl um so johnny have you got any shout outs this week 
Uh, actually, I don't, but I mean, I think we should shout out to Mehdi Buhulas and his cats if we're going to be talking about animals <laughs> on the page, because I, I think he's, I, they, him and Purr, well, we don't see Purr's cats that much, do we? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Mehdi's kind of the cat master, uh, classic lenses cat master, so. So hey, Medi, you, like, you like to shout out to Medi because I think you like saying his name. That's exactly. Medi Buhulasa. Yeah. Why would I like saying Medi Buhulasa? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when when you finally got it right. <laughs> yeah. Anytime I can actually do something right in life, I want to try to repeat it as many times as possible. <laughs> I usually just screw everything up. So. Yeah. <laughs> and. Um, James, have you have you got any shout outs? We haven't actually asked you to pre arrange any shout outs, but is, is um, anybody want to say uh, good things I about would, uh, I would uh, shout outs. Oh boy. Uh, you know, one of the guys on, on who, you know, posts fairly regularly on, on the page who is an inspiration to me um, for classic lens use is, is Paul Agriov. I don't know how to say his name. Paul Agriovador. Is that his name? Something like that. Paul Agravador. <laughs> Agravador, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm pro- I'm probably butchering his name. Yeah, I think um, we like both are. Johnny, like Johnny used to do with Medi. But um, <laughs> uh, we need we need Purr. Where's Purr? He's literally an inspiration to me on with the stuff he posts. Um, on, and has been for since I've been on the page. I just I, I love his work. I love his eye. And he's got a great eye, and and he knows how to he knows how to work those classic lenses like they're you know Tennessee plow mules. I mean he he, he, he anyway he, he he hey Paul you're I think I've even told you on the page that you're an inspiration to me and you really are. That's the only shout out I guess I can get. Not not that there aren't other people, you know like Simon and Johnny and who are inspirations, but. Uh, Paul is kind of a special one for me. I, get, hey, James, one question real quick. I'm trying to remember from, uh, I think we had this conversation back a long time ago, but maybe this is kind of a shout out. I thought you knew the, the strobist guy, the guy behind the whole strobist. Uh, I do. I okay, mean, yeah, all right. I yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, I guess apropos of this conversation we've had today, um, if you just anybody who wants to like learn a little bit about fundamentals of lighting and how to do it with speed lights and how to build like a really simple down and dirty kit to use with go your, to the strobis page. Yeah, it's just look up strobis. It's a great it's a great place to begin with right. like examples of all this stuff. And um, I just feel like it's a really good starting point for folks right. that are just like don't right. have an right. in on all this. So. That would and be he my has shout an interesting out. story on on how that came to be, and uh, but I'm not going to get into it now. But you know, he was cool. a he was a, a photojournalist before he started um, doing the Strobus um, page, and yeah. uh, he uh, uh, and then he got to quit his job, his day job, because the Strobus <laughs> page was really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a cool. And he's a really good guy. Now, what you don't want to do on a Strobus is get into the comments and dispute anything <laughs> that he may have said. Because then it's like me and Hamish, only <laughs> way worse. Um, I made that mistake a few times, and I mean, I swear to God, they were coming for me with torches and pitchforks, um, and it was like not a big deal thing, you know. And you know, I was like, "Well, wait a minute. Actually, if you do that, <laughs> oh man, you you would think it was like, uh, you know, like a lot of the guys on the Strobus page in the comments. It's like a, it's a religious experience or something. Yeah, right. right. They're zealots." <laughs> 
That's the only way I can describe them. Is as, uh, but great information on that on that yeah. page. And I think he has he has like a series of articles that he wrote a long time ago that are like lighting one hundred and one. Yeah, he does. That's what I was. Yeah, that's, and, that's what I was thinking. It's a great starting point. To, uh, 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 using you know, like speed lights and stuff. I mean, just go through the lighting 101 stuff. Right. That's on that. Um, um, uh, that's on that page. Um, that blog. And 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 uh, I used to write a blog for almost 10 years, and I I, I didn't have the success he did. But at one point, I was having like 8,000 people a day, um, unique visitors. Wow. Um, which was that's a lot. He probably has fifty to a hundred thousand a day, yeah. um, so you know I I and and then can monetize um, his blog. Um, you know I I I mean I monetized mine a little bit, but not a lot. So so yeah, great guy. Um, Hobby is his name, David Hobby. Well, I and, think I think we're going to bring bring things to an end now again. <laughs> James, James, thank you, thank you very, very uh, much thanks, for being James. on, um, James. And you, you will be back. There's no two ways about it because I've, I feel I'm because I'm, I want to rant. I want to exactly. I mean, like a whole hour to get to where I was really going to go off on, and, and, and I, send, yeah, send, that's what you said. Well, we're done. Yeah. Uh, send us a uh, send us a list of questions that that are really going to set friend. you off, and we'll get we'll just do it. You guys are my friends. Start calling me Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, everybody call all my friends call me Jimmy. My family calls me Jimmy. My friends call me Jimmy. So, you know, I know my name is James on, on Facebook, but yeah. everybody calls me Jimmy. So uh, Jim, Jimmy it is. So so right. Jimmy, um uh again, thank you again. So how can You're welcome. how can people uh, follow you uh, outside of, well, can they follow you outside of photography with no, classic lenses? Um, they can't. That's 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 and, it. And I now, don't want it? them to. <laughs> um, I don't have a Instagram. Um, I, I think I actually signed up for Instagram a long, long time ago, but I've never used it. I don't have um, uh, an online portfolio, although I keep threatening to put one together. Um, you can usually find me um, on the Photography with Classic Lenses page. I mean, that's that's. Uh, that I hang out there a lot and some other photography pages and, and my own Facebook page. And that's, that's, that's about it used to be my blog, but I haven't updated that in well over a year. So, uh, I like over a thousand articles in that blog over nine, 10. Well, what's the name of the blog? Pretty girl shooter. Wow. It's a uh, pretty girl shooter dot. Uh, what is it? I forget, but I think if they just Googled pretty girl shooter, they probably come. Yeah. And by the way, it's, um, it's not, it, it's, it's R rated the, the blog. So it's, you know, it, it, it features, you know, yeah. some nudity and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, that's that's going to turn a lot of people off now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's going to go there now, are they? No. Uh, well, there may be no, people in the group really that, that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they don't subscribe to that stuff. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll put a commented link, um, right, in, the, right. in the show notes to that. So, uh, Oh, pretty girl shooter dot blogspot dot com. Oh, okay. There That's what it is. Blogspot, which is, you know, um, the strobis was a blog. I don't know if it still is. I haven't, I haven't gone to that page. In a yeah. Long. It was for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. I, he might've changed. Uh, 
WordPress way, way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, um, that's, uh, the, but there's uh, over a thousand articles. And when I say articles, I mean, they're, most of them only have one photo and 500 to a thousand words on the article. Of ranting. Right? <laughs> <laughs> on ranting. Yeah. And, you know, I updated like twice a week for almost, you know, like nine years or so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm actually, I'm just just thinking to myself about how I'm going to edit this because normally I have the outro music, and I think it's just going to be the theme music on on the loop for about ten minutes. We've <laughs> 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 been trying to end this show forever. Um, well, uh, uh, Johnny, um, how can people follow you out, outside of um, photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group? Uh, outside there, I'm. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram. I'm at System Photography. I'm actually kind of. I'm trying to do a bunch of catch up on film processing and scanning. So I haven't been posting a ton, but I've got a, a whole bunch that I'm getting ready to queue up here. Uh, so you can find me there on Instagram. You also find me most days uh, over at uh, Central Camera Company in Chicago at the camera counter. That's it. And I could be found in a few places. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Uh, Flickr is Simon Forster. My eBay shop is It's Fozzy. That's I-T-S-F-O-Z-Z-Y. I have a uh, website called simonforsterphotographic.co.uk. Um, please get in touch with us on our our email address, which is uh, Johnny. Oh, this was a trick question. <laughs> get me with it every week email, now. Every, it's, it's, email address, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Every every week, I get you with this trick question. There's exactly the same trick question every it's week. Something at you're, gmail.com. Yeah, you're assuming I have some sort of long-term memory or something, <laughs> which you can ask anyone in my household here if I have any long-term memory. Um, I believe it's something like uh classic lenses podcast at gmail.com <laughs> no 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 it's not it's no uh, it's not no, uh, no it's uh, oh is it oh no i've forgotten it now it's uh <laughs> it is yeah yeah classic classic lenses i think it's just classic lenses at uh it's oh. classic lenses at gmail.com it is yeah classic lenses at gmail.com that, yeah that's that's shocking um <laughs> so uh so please uh send any questions to classic lenses at uh <laughs> gmail.com <laughs> and uh, uh, you can find all of us as, as we've already said many times now we're in the Facebook group Photography with Classic Lenses and I hope you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we've enjoyed making it and uh, I hope you can join us all again next week goodbye well you know okay yeah I mean like like things like the gullibility of so many photographers um, you know people that I, I almost I think that where I started to get into were were people that you know buy you know have to buy every new version of the same oh, camera when oh it comes out. Yeah, it's like yeah. what do you, what do you, you guys have like like unlimited <laughs> you money or what what <laughs> right? <laughs> and are your and guess what your pictures aren't any better because you used a five D four instead of a five D two. Yeah, uh, you know it's just, and yet every single iteration of a like, like Sony is a perfect example. You know, I've got the A7 II. It does everything I need it to do. Yeah, everything. Yeah. There is the, the the other versions, the R's and the S's. They don't do anything I need it to do. Yeah, that's why I still shoot like with the Canon with a 5D2. The 5D3 and 4, they don't do anything that I need them to do. 
I don't need big buffers and, you know, faster frame rates and burst mode. And, you know, I mean, there are people that need that stuff for what they do. Um, like maybe sports photographers or something, mm-hmm. but I don't need it. In fact, the guy I shot, my friend, I shot some headshots um, a few weeks ago, and um, with 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 the uh, 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 with the triad plan, with the hundred triad plan, and in natural light, and you know, like some people, like on the page, they were like, "Wow, I, you know, I wouldn't." How think did you do that? <laughs> how did you do that with that? It's a f- portrait lens. It's a hundred millimeter. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what the lens is. Right. They didn't market it as a flower shooting <laughs> lens. I mean, yeah, it does that with cool bokeh, but that's yeah. not why it was made. It was made as a portrait lens. If you're going to make a hundred millimeter lens and it's not a macro, right? It's probably going to be a portrait lens. What it is? 135, 85. Okay. So when I got that triad plan, which I wanted, by the way, since day one you know i got into classic lenses um when 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 i got that i mean that's all i wanted to shoot with is portraits (laughs) and that evf on the sony i can see the bokeh balls yeah you can't see that in an optical viewfinder nope (laughs) but on the evf i'm like i I, like halfway through shooting i'm like I, i noticed i finally noticed in the viewfinder wow i can see the book wow look if i just like pan to the right just a tiny bit more yeah like 10 more bokeh balls suddenly appear <laughs> you know it, i was like this is awesome you know i'm a big fan now of evfs 